All right. Happy Sabbath, church. Thank you, Karen, so much for that. That was indeed beautiful. And our Lord and Savior Jesus is beautiful. Amen? And he's the one, of course, that we're here to serve today. Jesus welcomes you, and we welcome you. And it's great to be back, myself from Florida, and to be back with you folks here. We have our father-in-law who moved in with us, uh, Pavle Borovic, Pastor Pavle Borovic. And uh, you may see him at a time or two, but uh, he's a little sick right now, and uh, <clears throat> we're not sure how, mu- how much he'll make it to church. But he's a wonderful man, and we're just so grateful that we can, um, can have him in our home. And so that is what's happening with the Bernardos. Upcoming events, well, next week, right? The big week, uh, the start of many big weeks is when Admiral Bigger will be here from Walla Walla University sharing his sermon titled Prisoners of Hope. By the way, that's a phrase from the book of Zechariah that we've been studying. So a great sermon title, I thought. And of course, with Afghanistan and everything happening, um, it was probably very appropriate. He was a chaplain at the Pentagon when the plane hit there, and then he was reassigned to the New York area, to the Twin Towers area, so he can uniquely speak to both things. Um, Next week's service will be a bit different. Uh, Plan on it being normal for you, though. Sabbath school starts at the same time. Our church service will start at 1040 still, but then our main service will start at 11 when there will be quite a few visitors here. If you're a military serviceman and would like to come in uniform, that would be fantastic. There will be many that will be here in uniform. So it'll be a very different service from our normal. Um, We'll have our uh, police uh, sheriff here. And our fire chief will actually be doing the Pledge of Allegiance. So it'll be a a bit of a different service, but a real blessing and a perfect opportunity for you to invite someone else to honor our military servicemen, our fire and police and first responders. And then more to come after that. We'll go through that another time. Uh, But I wanted to give you a health nugget like I like to do always, Uh, you know, In our church, pastors are to be a little bit more than pastors. We're supposed to be fluent in health matters also. So that's why you see me giving uh, health talks pretty much every week. Um, And it's really our job to educate, educate, educate in regard to these things that will help your health um, in the coming days. This statement you've seen before from Second Selected Messages If all would seek to become intelligent in regard to their bodily necessities, sickness would be rare instead of common. Now, wouldn't that be a change? Sickness rare instead of common. Well, of course, the big topic today is the vaccine, and I'm certainly not going to get into that uh, heated mess here and tell you that you should take the vaccine or you shouldn't take it. There seems to be a body of evidence that says it's safe and effective. And then there seems to be a body of evidence that says maybe not. Um, That's up to you. But as far as the forcing of the vaccine, I will get into that because I think that's a religious liberty issue. And we do have some precedence on that in something that happened around the turn of the century. Smallpox was gaining ground in England. And there was a move to have a compulsory 
vaccination for everybody, universal. And this is what one of our pioneers, E.J. Wagner, said about that situation. The Church Times, this is not one of our periodicals, but he's, he's commenting on this. And the Church Times is commenting on the failure of the proposal in Parliament to make vaccination universally compulsory, says. If there is anything in vaccination statistics, now can statistics be kind of swayed one I mean, we have statistics right now that say the vaccine's great, the vaccine's not so great. So anyway, if there's anything in vaccination statistics or if it is believed to be a safeguard against the disease of smallpox, smallpox, it is absurd to allow the conscientious objector to roam at large. That language is interesting, right? Rome at large. He is as great a danger to the community as a mad dog. Now, that's very interesting, but we hear similar sentiments today, right? If you're not vaccinated, you're killing us. And again, I'm not, I'm not getting into that whole issue, but this part of forcing it, I think it's a place where we should be able to unite, quite frankly. Um, God has given freedom of choice. Without expressing any opinion, Wagner goes on to say, as to the value of vaccination, it seems evident that such language breathes the very spirit of the Roman Catholic Inquisition. Very interesting. Uh, Now remember, you had Sunday laws going on in this time, or the beginning of those, um, along with this vaccination situation going on, kind of all mixed together. But he says this, the next step would be to cage the conscientious dissenter or the mad dog, right, from the established church. Very interesting comments that Wagner makes. Goes on to say this, and a question arises here. If vaccination indeed be a safeguard against smallpox, how can a conscientious objector be as dangerous as a mad dog. Very good logic being used here. What harm could he do in a community of vaccinated persons? So just a little uh, tip from the past. And then I read this. So that was, that was in 1902. Now we're going back to 1892. And remember, everything that Ellen White wrote in 1892 was flavored or colored by what happened in 1888. It was such a watershed moment when God did something very special in this very town and others like it. But this statement, I think, is becoming more and more understandable. I mean, if you read this three years ago, you might say, well, what does that mean? Now you might say, well, maybe I know what that means. Perilous times are before us. The whole world will be involved in perplexity and distress. Does that kind of sound like it's, we're getting there? Disease of every kind will be upon the human family. Then this is interesting as she goes on here. And such ignorance as now prevails concerning the laws of health would result in great suffering and the loss of many lives that might be saved. That might be saved if we understood the laws of health. So it behooves us for our own sake, for our own health, for the health of those in our church, for the health of those in our community to understand the laws of health. And not just the laws of health, but disease, its cause, prevention, and cure. 
Now, this is talking about in a time of religious laws that we read of, like in Revelation 13, oppressive religious laws. As religious aggression subverts the liberties of our nation. We're not there yet, but what we read in prophecy tells us we will be. Those who stand for freedom of liberty of conscience will be placed in unfavorable positions. That's always the case for those that stand for God and stand for truth. For their own sake, they should, while they have an opportunity, become intelligent in regard to disease, its causes, prevention, and cure. So that's what we want to help you do, is to become intelligent in regard to these things. If we know about the health laws and ways to help people, like I said, we'll, we'll have a whole lot of people that we can help, especially in this, our day. Well, today's tip for you is N-acetylcysteine, or otherwise known as NAC. How many of you know about NAC? Raise your hands. Okay, I'm so glad I'm giving this because the majority I would say don't. So it's an immediate precursor to glutathione. Uh, There's basically three building blocks to glutathione, cysteine, glutamate, and glycine. These are all natural uh, precursors to glutathione and can be obtained in foods. Now, can you get enough in your food? That's another question, but they, they are prevalent in foods, especially foods that are high in sulfur content, cauliflower, broccoli, asparagus, among others. Now, this is, some of these are a direct quote from this study, uh, N-acetylcysteine to combat COVID-19, an evidence review from SHI and PUYO 2020. So a pretty recent study. And this is a quote from it. NAC has antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and immune-modulating characteristics that may prove beneficial in the treatment and prevention of SARS-CoV-2. Going on to fight infection successfully, it starts at the cellular level. You need an oxidant, uh, antioxidant balance, and including the antioxidant glutathione, which NAC is a building block of. And in the immune cells of seniors or immune compromised individuals, so especially if you're a senior, pay attention to this. Uh, glutathione is decreased. You more than likely have a lower level than you should of glutathione for seniors or immunocompromised, which causes a poor immune response, particularly that of the T cell mediated functions. Those are the killer cells that go in and do all the good work for us. NAC has been used to loosen thick mucus in the lungs and treat acetaminophen overdose for decades. However, NAC can also boost the immune system, suppress viral replication, super important, and reduce inflammation. All those are super important. Back in 1997, DeFlora et al. demonstrated that oral administration of NAC, he was using 600 milligrams What I've heard from guys like Neil Nedley is 600 milligrams twice a day. This is using 600, significantly improved cell-mediated immunity in seniors. Not surprisingly, NAC treatment significantly decreased. What did it decrease? The frequency of the flu 
as well as the severity and duration of most symptoms. Now, if you were to get COVID, you would want this working in your favor, right? <laughs> you would want less severe uh, and less duration of your symptoms. Some of you had heard my family went to Florida recently. Six of us, three vaccinated, three not. We all got COVID. And so uh, it was a good thing. We could all uh, recover together. This was several weeks back now. So if you shook my hand at the door, don't worry, you're, you're okay. Uh, but this knack is important stuff uh, for us today. Um, so it was used in H1N1, although the infection rates of influenza virus were similar in the two groups. So there was a placebo group, and then there was the knack group. And so here's the way it came out. 25% of the virus-infected subjects in the knack group developed symptoms only 25%. So 75% of those that were taking NAC that got the virus had no symptoms. So that is huge. Uh, in comparison or in contrast to the placebo group, where 79% of the subjects got pretty serious symptoms. Goes on there. NAC's also been shown to inhibit replication of other viruses. So it was used in H1N1, it was used successfully in HIV and RSV. This means that theoretically, now you can see they're, they're hedging their language here, um, and we have to also, by the way, all of this, you have to consult your doctor, your medical team before you make any change in your life, etc. This means that the theoretically, NAC has the potential to inhibit SARS-CoV-2, as well because of its ability to negatively regulate NFKB. All right, so the conclusions. The conclusions of this study were these. It has very low toxicity. It's very inexpensive. It's been FDA approved for many years and has the potential to improve therapeutic strategies for COVID-19. And those uh, benefits include extracellular scavenging of ROS radicals, replenishing intracellular GSH, suppression of cytokine storm. Many of you have heard of that. T-cell protection, thus mitigating inflammation and tissue injury. NAC administration in combination with other antiviral agents may dramatically reduce hospitalization, ventilation, mechanical ventilation, and mortality. So this is good stuff, NAC. Now, there is something going on with the FDA right now and NAC. There's been some discussion about reclassifying it as a drug. Right now, you can buy it online. You can buy it at something better, natural foods. You can buy it probably at Apple Valley. I'm not sure, but those type of places. However, they're thinking about reclassifying it back as a drug, uh, which then you would need a prescription for it. But NAC is a great thing that we can take to prevent uh, ourselves from either getting COVID or not so much that, but if we did get it, our symptoms would be much, much less. So go forth, go in good health. God wishes you health, um, both physically and spiritually. Today we look at being well-graced in three dimensions, three ways to give thanks for the Lord's Supper. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy word this morning. 
Thank you for these emblems, which are so meaningful for our souls, Lord, pointing to our dear Jesus and his body that was um, for us and his spilt blood that was for our salvation. And so speak, Lord, as your servants listen regarding your word, regarding this subject now. Send your spirit. Give us clarity of understanding. Give us conviction of the spirit and make us catalysts to others of your good news today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now we look at the Lord's Supper, three dimensions of the Lord's Supper. By the way, don't be scared of the word Eucharist. Uh, it means it's Eucharisto. Charis means grace, so it means well-graced or thankful. And so it's not a word to be scared of. But here we're looking at three dimensions of the Lord's Supper. Or you could say how to be thankful for Christ and his sacrifice in three dimensions. First of all, there is the obvious dimension, right? The whole world owes their very existence to the cross of Christ. Timothy puts it this way. First of all, then I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all those that are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time, end quote. So Christ on the cross gave himself as a ransom for all. The price he paid was himself to sign the emancipation papers of freedom for the whole human race. Come on and say amen if that's good news. That's our beautiful Jesus, our beautiful Savior. Second Timothy puts it this way. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, no way, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity but now has been revealed in the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life to light through the gospel according to the power of God. End quote. So by giving himself in suffering and death, by living the perfect life, Christ has brought life and abolished death 
for anyone in the human family that will just reach out and accept the gift. The death and suffering of Jesus, there is where type met anti-type, right? Think about it. What Hebrews says that the priests every day would stand there making the same sacrifices time after time that could never take away sins. But Jesus, but Jesus having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time on until his enemies shall be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's you and me. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's the end of that quote. He didn't make an offering, right? He became the offering and so connected himself Humanity to divinity by ties that would never be broken. Never be broken. So again, to summarize, dimension number one of the Lord's Supper is where we stand in awe. We drop to our knees in awe of a love of God for those, a race of sinners that did not love him. Are you thankful today for Jesus and his love for you? Amen. Amen. All right, secondly, so you have this vertical dimension, right? God doing something for everybody. But then there's this horizontal dimension, right? There's, there's us as a church. That's part of communion too. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul reminds us of this, that even as the body is one and yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are actually still one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Greeks or Jews, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. And so it is with communion. We partake of the Lord's Supper together as a family, together as a church, The Lord's Supper is a corporate unifying moment where we all look at the cross together. It brings healing, did you know that? To God's church and to individuals. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says that we must examine ourselves. So examine that relationship between you and God and between you and your fellow believers And he goes on to say, for those that do not judge themselves rightly in that way, this is the reason that many are weak, sick, and many have fallen asleep. Very interesting. Well, communion is for corporate and individual healing. Personally, I think we could take it more than once a quarter. Uh, There's no... Bible doesn't say take it once a quarter. It says as often as you do this. And we have decided once a quarter is the amount. And that's fine too, but I could, I could do it more often. Uh, but so, so, so there's this, this vertical uh, dimension. There's this horizontal dimension. But there's a third dimension of this 
thing that we do together that is very individual. And I go to John chapter 6 for that part of it. And you've all read it. The Gospel of John, where he said that one who does not eat of my flesh and drink of my blood has no life, right? They miss the greatest of blessings. On the contrary, John says, and Jesus says, the one who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood, that is, the one who develops a personal, intimate, individual relationship with me, Jesus says, has eternal life. Not will have. You have it now. Has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. And so Jesus calls for each of us, if you're a husband and wife here today, you can't be that relationship for your wife. Now y'all can have worship together and that's a good thing. But each one of us have that individual, right? One-on-one relationship with Christ where we gain strength, where we get life, where we have eternal life, it says. We have it. Not will have it. We have it. Right now has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day, Jesus says. Jesus promises today to all of us that the one that comes to him will never hunger and will never thirst. Amen? He is our food and drink. They will be spiritually fed and watered from their communion with Christ himself. So, at this communion service, we must remember Christ's sacrificial death his suffering and his perfect life for us and as us. We must remember that we are part of one another as a body, the body of Christ. And we must remember that our bread, that our drink is Jesus Christ himself and that relationship that we have with him. Oh, do you know him today in that personal life-giving way? I know many of you do. I pray that all of you do. Well, when we do, Little things will not bother us. Oh, we may get thrown off here or there, taken off our guard for a moment, but our life is hid with God in Christ. Nothing can take that away from us. And that is the essence of eternal life. And we can have it now. And we do have it now as believers in Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the body and the blood of Christ spilt for us, the body that is for us. Oh, these emblems, what tremendous meaning they have. It's not you, Jesus. You're not the bread. We understand that. But it's an emblem. It's a symbol of what you have done for us. And so as we partake, may we do so with hearts full of joy that we have been well graced, that we have been so blessed by your great love and sacrifice. It's the center of all of Christianity, quite frankly, that you died 
You lived a perfect life and you died the death that we deserved. We're so grateful today. So we thank you. Bless us now as we go to foot washing and uh, some may stay here, but as we partake together again of these tremendously important emblems, heal Lord where healing needs to take place in your body today, whether it's horizontally between believers, if there's dissension, heal Lord. Lord, heal if there needs to be, uh, if there's a relationship issue between us and you, Lord, please heal that, that we might have your peace and might be able to abide in you as you would have us to do. Thank you, Lord, for each one here and for blessing today in Jesus' precious name. Amen.